You're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Butler. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Well, welcome to Wednesday night. We're going to have a good time. You know, we're just going to do, uh, you know, Sunday is uh, Pentecost Sunday. And so uh, it's going to be really a whole lot of fun. Uh, just because if you don't know what that is, we're going to talk about that tonight, share a little bit about of it, and uh, actually we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, probably the whole month of June, uh, uh, just really stirring our hearts, and because, uh, you know, how many you know we need to be led by the Spirit more now than ever, and we got to be listening, we got to know God's voice more now than ever, and uh, uh, because we live in a world that's, you know, basically gone crazy. And so if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 7, if you would, with me, verse uh, <clears throat> 37. But anyways, I just want to share, I just want to just stir my, my title tonight, so Greg won't ask me tomorrow, is this, is that the Father's good plan for your life. And that's kind of the overview of this whole thing uh, of not just, sun, not just Wednesdays, but Sunday. It's just the whole thing of, of June is just the Father's good plan for your life. Now, there'll be other, different titles, but that's the overall thing. Because how many know God has a good plan for your life? He does. God has a good plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of good and not of evil. Plans to bring an expected end and a future. Amen? So God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has things. We need. And we've got to become very, very acquainted with the third person of the Godhead, which is the Holy Spirit. And isn't it funny? Most people get, they get all nervous about the Holy Spirit. They get all nervous when you start talking about the Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus is the one that sent him. Okay, Jesus said, listen, it is so far more important that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. He'll not only be with you, but he's going to be in you. Amen? And we look at this and we see things. And so as I'm just going to share, because I want to set a foundation because it just surprises me of how many wars have been fought. You know, there's two things that we saw, two things, there's many things, but really these are two important things that it seems like the church world has a really hard time with. One is the name of Jesus. Because that name that's above every name. And of course, the whole world has a problem with that name. You can speak any other name in public, but don't speak Jesus. Because there's power in that name. And as you declare it in the name of Jesus, and when you begin to proclaim Jesus, that just makes, it, it makes everybody nervous, makes them all upset, makes every devil tremble. Hallelujah. And that's why they get mad. You can say God. You can say the man upstairs. You can say all kinds of things. But when you declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it wipes everybody else out. Because that's the greatest question they got to ask them. They're, what are you going to do about Jesus? Because he made it very plain that Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man can go unto the Father except through me. And the other thing is, is about all about the Holy Spirit. And it's so funny that if people would really understand who the Holy Spirit is and, and what his role is right now, because believe it or not, he's the only God working in the earth today. God the Father, God the Son, they're having a good time sitting down. God's sitting on his throne and Jesus is seated at his right hand. But the God that's working today, the Trinity God, the God, the Holy Spirit, he's the one working in the earth. Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away so that I can send the comforter to you. And isn't it amazing that he called the Holy Spirit the comforter four times, just in John 14. Four times he called him the comforter and everybody's afraid of him. 
See, I grew up in a church. I'm, I'm going to get to this in just a second, but I'm going to lay a foundation because I grew up in a church that said, you know, that, uh, you know, if you got born of the spirit, that's all it is. That's all you got, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, and they didn't believe in, in, in being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe, you know, anything else. Thank God that they believed in the new birth. Thank God that they believed in that. And that was a great thing. And I thank God for that, for what they shared and taught. The problem was, is that that just wasn't enough for me. I was hungry. I was hungry for the things of God and I was hungry for reading the word of God. And I thought, wait a minute, these guys are doing a whole lot more than what we're doing. And I also grew up in a church that said miracles were done away with. They died when every apostle died. And I thought, well, that ain't right. If God did miracles in the book of Acts and God, they had to get started, they had to do things, God had to sustain them, God did all these miracles, well, what are we? I mean, God doesn't love us as much as he loves them. You know, I mean, I'm the kind of person, listen, if you bring it in the house, it belongs to everybody. You know, it's like, it's just the way it is. If you don't, want to, you don't want everybody to have it, you eat it outside, you do it yourself, it's done. You bring it in the house, it's too much. It's, it's everybody's, it's everybody's. So, you know, but what happens is, is that um, we've got to be sensitive and we've got to not be afraid of the things of the Spirit of God. Amen? And so here in John chapter 7, but before I read that, I want to give you a little about John chapter 4 when the woman at the well Jesus told the woman at the well, if you would know who's talking to you, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She said, how can you do this? You don't have a, you don't have a pail, the, the, the well's deep and all this. He said, I'd give you living water. And so he talked about it would be a well of everlasting life springing up inside of you. And that's what, when you get born again, you get a well of water on the inside of you. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for being born of the spirit of God. Amen. Being born again, that's so good. Being born from above, the Bible says. You know, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and said, Master, we know that you're sent from God because nobody can do the miracles you're doing unless you be sent from God. And then what did Jesus tell him? He said, you've got to be born again. He said, Master, how can I enter into my mother's womb again and come on? He said, that which is born in flesh is flesh. That which is born in the spirit is spirit. Hallelujah. And he was, he was dealing with his heart. You know, he said, listen, you got to be born again. you got to be born from above. You get changed. Your whole spiritual nature gets changed. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen? But here in John chapter 7, you thought I wasn't going to get there. I'm going to get there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, our, our, our printer broke. You had to do things, and I didn't want Greg to have to do it, so I'm doing everything off my iPad here. And it's a little small, but working on that. Hallelujah. So it's a good thing I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I think. Here, here in, in, in John uh, 7 verse 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and, and drink. And he that believes on me, as the scripture uh, has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, it's one thing to have a well of water on the inside of you, but it's a whole other thing to have rivers of living water that flow out of you. And listen, we have to have rivers that flow out of us. That's the power of the Holy Ghost that changes lives. Amen? Now, go with me, if you would, over to John's, uh, the 14th chapter uh, of the book of John here. We're going to be in the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapters here for the whole month because it's all about the Father's pl- good plan for your life. And believe it or not, this is Father's Day month, so it's a good thing to talk about the Father. And it's a good thing to talk about the Holy Spirit so that you quit being afraid of Him and quit being afraid of what He's going to try to make you do, try to get you to think. Because you know that the Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus? 
that if you'll read the Gospels and if you'll study the life of Jesus, you'll see the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Here in John's Gospel, chapter 14, you know, in verse 20, it's verse 16. He said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. That word another means someone exactly like me. Exactly. I'm not going to leave you orphanless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you one exactly like me. He's going to be exactly like me. See, that means that the Holy Spirit in you is the same as Jesus with you in the flesh. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit's exactly like Jesus. Isn't it amazing? We look at the gospel. Do you ever notice in the gospel that Jesus asked 800 questions and he only answered four? Pretty unique, huh? Jesus asked a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> you got to read your Bible. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool book when you read your Bible. It's pretty nice. It works really good. It's got all kinds of things in there that we look at. But why do I share that with you? It's because we have a tendency to think that this this great mystery. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to bring and give you the Holy Spirit who's just like us. Guess what the Holy Spirit's like? He's just like the Father. There is no difference between... You know, their characteristics, there is no difference between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are all the, the, the same, and they are all, you know, have the same characteristics, the same power, the same authority, in the sense of we all know that God is God. Because God knows when he's going to send Jesus, and nobody else does. Not even Jesus knows that. But does that make Jesus inferior to God? Not at all. <laughs> Just because you don't know as much as everybody else, does that mean you're inferior to them? No. Hallelujah. You take hold of the word of God. See, we look at this and we see things and what we want to do is we want to make the Holy Spirit some mystical thing. And we, a thing instead of a person. We don't look at him. We look at Jesus as a person. We look at God the Father as a person. But we look at the Holy Spirit as some kind of mystical, wild thing. And it's not. He's a person. And he lives and dwells on the inside of us if you're born again. He said, well, how can he do that? Because God can be everywhere. (laughs) Hallelujah. And it's that same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in us. It makes us alive. See, the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit are inseparable. And if you want to know the Holy Spirit, read the Gospels. Find out about Jesus, how Jesus reacted to everything. When he saw us and said, what is he going to do? So what does the Holy Spirit want me to do in this situation? Well, what did Jesus do in that situation? See, we get all nervous because of Acts 2. Get all nervous because of Acts 2. Because when the Holy Spirit was poured out, these guys got crazy. It just made everybody all nervous and all messed up. And so we walk away from things. But Jesus said, you know, this scripture right here. Jesus said in Luke 4.18, which is the scripture that we've built our whole church on. Jesus said, and if you look at that scripture, he said, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus said that it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I've based all my ministry here in the earth on. That my ministry is by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells. Because Jesus stripped himself. And he took upon himself the form of a man. And he was a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. You know, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So he said, you know what, here's the key guys. If I go, it's so much better if I go. Because not only is he going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. And the Spirit of God is not going to be bound up anymore. Because Jesus can only be at one place at one time. 
And we know that, you know, Jesus had the spirit without measure and we have the spirit with measure. Amen? See, I just believe the whole body of Christ together makes up the body of Christ and so that's the same anointing that Jesus had just in that one body. Hallelujah. But glory to God, we ought to be showing off a lot more than what we've been showing off. Amen? We really, really should, you know. Hallelujah. And so if you understand, Jesus said, my public ministry is a result of the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And Jesus said here in John chapter 14, are you there? Look what he says. I mean, I could do this. It's so cool. Uh, thank God. You know, we always use these verses when we have somebody die. Let not your heart be troubled. Verse 1. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. How many of you know the disciples were rocking and reeling right now? Because they're going, wait a minute, we, for three years we've been doing exactly what you've told us to do. We've seen, we hear, we believe. And now you're telling us that you're going to go away and we can't go. And isn't it funny, you read down through here, he says, and the way you know, and you know how to get, you know, and what does the disciples say? What does Thomas say? We don't know where you're going. We have no idea where you're going. What do you mean the way? We don't know the way. We have nothing. We don't know. We don't know where you're going. We have no idea. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto God except through me. We know that Jesus was making a way for all of us to do that. Then, then Philip pipes up and says, because Jesus starts talking about the Father. And so then Philip says, well, show us the Father. And then Jesus says, Philip, if I've, been, I've been with you for three and a half years talking to you guys, dealing with you. And uh, you don't know me. If you know me, you know the Father. And if you know me, you know the Holy Spirit. And if you know the Holy Spirit, you know me. And if you know me and the Holy Spirit, you know the Father. See, we see the example. God, how many of you know God's not hiding himself? Amen? And Jesus showed us how a man anointed by the Holy Spirit should act, should live and walk on the earth. Amen? He told us what we needed to do. We've just never dared to believe it. We've never dared to understand that God does want to show us, that God does want to reveal things to us. You know, and if we'll understand that and we'll actually believe that, glory to God, hallelujah, that the Holy Spirit never leaves you, just like Jesus said he'd never leave you. Amen. God said he'd never leave you. Amen. See, we, we look at these things and we say, yeah, I understand that, Pastor. That's, that sounds so cool, you know. Uh, but the problem is that we have a tendency to do things on our own. If Jesus couldn't do nothing, you know, I mean, let's, let's read that. Let's do this. Look at verse 10. After he said, if you've seen me, you show us the Father. Then he said in verse 10, believe thou not that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. I mean, you see what the miracles, the signs, the wonders. Then then he makes this statement in verse 12. Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, now he just qualifies everything that he's done in all of these three and a half years, the works that I do shall he do also, which you can do, he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my Father. Now, you know, that just wiped them out. And if, you, and, he, and if you think of that verse, then just wait till you get the next two verses here. The next two verses just totally make you go, this can't be true. This can't be. You know, 
John 14, 15, and 16 is, is in the upper room, and it's the last words of Jesus to his disciples. He could have shared a whole bunch of different things. He could have taught them all. But you know what he did? He said, I need to tell them about the Holy Spirit. I need to get them to know, understand about, because they're going to need the Holy Spirit more than anything else. They're going to need to know the power of the Holy Spirit in them. They're going to need to know that, that God's not going to leave them. They're going to need to know what they can do with him. And if they'll yield to him, if they'll understand who he is, that it's just like me, the things that I say. He won't say anything that is not of his own self. He's going to say everything I tell him. We're going to find that out in John 16, but that's a whole three weeks down the road. So, but you, you see this right here. He's saying, hey, listen, he said, listen, the works that I do, you can do. Don't you know they were all like, oh, wow. Because you know, what did Jesus say to them when he came down onto the Mount of Transfiguration? Oh, faithless generation, how long am I going to have to put up with you? What did he say in the boat? Where's your faith? You know, what's wrong with you guys? Why didn't you rebuke the storm? So don't beat yourself up because you think, well, I, we, know, we, we need to stir ourselves up and let the power of the Holy Spirit change. We've got truths in the Word of God. We can take hold of this, of what Jesus said, hallelujah, because the same Spirit that raised up Christ lives and dwells on the inside of us. Amen? We've got to grab a hold of the Holy Spirit knowing that we can't do anything without Him. It doesn't make us... I mean, God uses us to do things, you know, praise God. It's God who did it. God's the healer. Jesus is the healer. You know that. You can't heal anybody. But Jesus can through you. Amen? Isn't it funny though? Jesus, He depended on the continual flow of the Holy Ghost for, for that power, for that wisdom. I mean, He was always saying, it's, it's, it's God working through me. It's God doing these. God does the work. God's doing it. Amen? Now, we always think it's God the Father, but it was actually God the Holy Spirit that was working through him. Thank you all for your overwhelming response and theories. You know, <laughs> We've got to, on purpose, not be afraid if God speaks to our heart and not be afraid to yield and to do and to do and say what God says to say. Amen. Verse 13 and 14 says, And whatsoever you shall ask... In my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. How do you know Jesus didn't lie? He couldn't lie. He wouldn't have been perfect. I'll read those two scriptures again. And whatsoever you shall ask, whatsoever you shall ask in my name... That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And that usually makes everybody mad. Every religious person gets all, yeah, but it's got to be God's will. You got to do those. It's got to be this, you know. You know, they, they always want to qualify everything. I mean, everyone, everybody wants to take all the good scriptures and make you have to qualify for them. Amen. They always want to make you qualify. You got to qualify. <laughs> I mean, Jesus knew that his disciples needed, hallelujah, a whole lot of help. Amen? He knew that. I mean, he gets raised from the dead. He, he's, right here, he's talking to him. He's not even raised from the dead. He gets raised up. He spends 40 days coming and going from heaven to earth and talking to everybody and, and appearing before the disciples. And he gets, and, and he gets you know, the first time he shows up, because they don't believe the ladies that said he's risen, and he told them he was going to be risen. He told them all these things. They didn't believe him. The Bible says he went in there and he upbraids them, which means he yelled at them and said, man, your unbelief is amazing. I'm standing here. You're a ghost. 
He said, give me some fish. Give me some, you got something, no, let me eat it. Me watch me eat it. It's not going to fall through me and go to the floor. It's going to actually stay in me. Okay? Yeah, but you just walk through the wall. Yeah, I know, I just walked through the wall. Big deal. Amen? I mean, we see this. That's why he said, Thomas, stick your finger in, you know, in my hand. Stick your hand in my thigh. So you won't be faithless, but you'll be believing. And of course, Thomas was like, Woo! He said, Thomas, we're not going to commend you. Thank God for all those who have not seen and yet believe. Amen? We see the, the truths of the word of God. But what is Jesus trying to get across to them is, listen, I need to send you the comforter. I need to know that you're not going to be by yourself. Aren't you glad that God didn't leave us to our own selves? See, I never understood that. Get born again. You get born again and you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And then it's like, well, now you just got to fend for yourself. Now you just got to figure. You got to hold out to the end. I thought, gosh, God, you, 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 God, I got born again. I'm saved. Now you've ruined me for sin. So everything that's supposed to be fun on the earth, I don't get to do. According to the world. Now see, we as Christians, most of us, they've slid all over and they do anything they want to do, but that doesn't mean it's right. Okay, sorry, I don't want to mess anybody up, but I'm just telling you, you just, you know, if you truly, you get ruined for sin, you get ruined for the things that, that are not going to work. I said, well, God, here it is. Now you told me don't be conformed to the world, but you never told me how to transform. You said, you know, you said, here you go, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2, that you may know or you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, if, if being born again and being a child of God is not far greater than anything the world has to offer, then why are we doing it? Amen. Because it does. It's so much better. It is so much better. It is so glorious. It is so wonderful. Man, to have peace and to have a knowledge of the truth of the word of God that we don't have to walk in fear. Because we know the truth. People want to fight you. Well, how do you know? Because we've got God's word on it. Well, how do you know their Bible isn't better than it? Because this Bible produces miracles, signs, and wonders. This Bible will heal you. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord will change your life. It brings peace. It brings joy. Hallelujah. And you don't, you don't fight over it. You're not trying to argue it. Glory to God. You're just receiving it and enjoying the blessings of it. And you're making everybody else jealous because they're getting mad at you. Amen. Well, it's just, you know, it, it just works for you. <laughs> it's like, no, it doesn't just work for me. It, the Bible works because Jesus said, see the works for the very works. It's because it's the word of God. It's, it's believing what Jesus said is true. Amen? See, you know, we're there in verse 16 and go to verse 17. Verse 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We don't want to get religious on you guys are all getting nervous. But if you do love God, you are going to keep his commandments. People say, well, what are his commandments? Well, the greatest, biggest commandment in the New Testament is you've got to love one another. And that's the hardest thing in the world. Because if you truly love people, you're going to, you're going to do a lot of things. That's it. The greatest commandment is that we love, love the Lord our God with all of our heart and that we love one another. You know, we know all the Ten Commandments, but if you love one another, you're going to keep the Ten Commandments. You know, so anyways, in verse 17, it says, even the spirit of truth... Oh, man, I'm so glad about that. Aren't you glad you got the spirit of truth and not the spirit of error? I tell you, you I've had confrontations with all kinds of different folks from different religions because they want to argue. You know, they have their Bible. They have all the different things, and they want to argue all of the fussing and fighting of everything because they want to know, how do you know that it's truth? Because when you know something's true, it doesn't bother you if people tell lies all about it. 
It doesn't bother you if people come against you. But boy, when you come against their lie, look out. They're ready to attack. That's how you know the difference between truth and a lie. See, because if you know the truth, it doesn't bother you if they disagree with you. Yes, you want to get the truth to them. Yes, you want them to be, but it doesn't, it, it, you know, it never affected Jesus because they didn't know the truth. He just told them the truth. He just kept going. Amen? He just kept doing this. He said, here's what we're going to do. He said, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. That's one of the things that we, we have a tendency to think that we're supposed to convince everybody. you do realize that the Bible says narrow is the way to heaven wide is, is the road to hell and we have this great thought that we're going to have more people in heaven than there are in hell and that's probably not going to be the case that's sad but we're going to do our best to get as many as we can we're going to do our best to get, preach the gospel we're doing our best to love people but man you know if you can only see you can always see there's only been a remnant there's only been a remnant Hallelujah. And that's sad. You say, well, how come? It's because, you know, it's easier for the enemy, you know, hallelujah, to, to deceive. And, and it's, you know, we walk in the flesh instead of walking in the spirit of what God says. So, and let's read this. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And yet a little while, you know, the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. I mean, they are rocking and reeling here. They are going, I cannot believe what is going on, what is happening. He's, and he's told them all this stuff before. But he's endeavoring to get it across. Why is he endeavoring to do that? Because you know what he's trying to get into us is that we, we need to have that relationship. We need to understand that there's a relationship and, and how you cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life and you cultivate it with the Word of God and you cultivate that knowing that there is a greater one in you. There is a comfort. There is a strengthener. There is a standby. There is a helper that God's given him this time. His job is to help you. And most of the time we don't let him help. Because we say, I know how to go this way. I know what to do. Yeah, but that's not the way to go. You should go this way. You should do this. No, don't say that. Don't do that. No, that's not, it's not the right. But it looks really good. Let's do this. No, that's not the right. Because he knows on the inside of you what is the right way to go. Amen? He's our helper. He's our standby. How do, that's what comforter. That's what that word paraclete means. There's, there's, there's all these different names. He, praise God that come out of that. But the greatest thing is that he's our comforter. He's going to lead us. He's going to bring comfort. It's going to bring to, he is going to be there and he's going to do his job if you let him. You know, the main thing is he wants to come alongside you and he wants to be right there with you to help you. Not only is he there in you, but he also wants to be with you. Amen. And we need to understand, let the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it, it anoints us for service or anoints us to do the thing. Because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Amen. Which means nobody can defeat you. Nobody can stop you from being blessed. Nobody can stop you from the promises of God being coming to you. Amen? It just can't. That's the joy of it. That's the wonderful thing of it. That's where it's like, wow, this is so cool. Because he, he, he keeps saying, you know. And of course he talks about, he that hath my commandments and keeps them, he is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him. And look at this little phrase, and I will manifest myself to him. How I many you know that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, they're actually very, very real. 
and they want that relationship. They desire to meet with you. They really do. I mean, praise God. Hallelujah. And when you understand this, is that the Holy Spirit's so close. And he's there. He's connected. He's wanting to help you. And the Holy Spirit has a calling. And his calling is, I'm your helper. I'm your helper. I'm, I'm your strengthener. I'm your standby. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm an advocate. Hallelujah. I'll help you. I'll help you. Don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll help you say it. Amen. It's amazing because, you know, in John 15, chapter, John, the 15th chapter of the book of, of, of St. John, chapter 15, that whole chapter is all about prayer and all about connecting with God and all about understanding how to do that. I mean, John 15, 7 is one of my all-time favorite verses because I, I love the verses that just challenges our mind. I love, you know, John 14, 13, and 14, actually 12, 13, 14, you know, I have, I have a lot of all-time favorites, okay? But I just, these guys are just like, you know, I love that. I love when he says, hey, just ask what you want and I'm going to do it. And I'm like, yeah, I got a big imagination. I do. I do. And I meditate on those things and I look at those things and I say, yeah. And I look at the works and I say, yeah, here's Because people always get caught up in what are the greater works? I could care less what the greater works are. I just want to do the works of Jesus. Amen. Man, let's raise the dead. Let's heal the sick. Hallelujah. You know, glory to God. I mean, amen. Let's feed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. I mean, we look at this and say, and I believe the greater works is because we get to see people born again because of the Lord Jesus. That's the greatest thing in all the world. But I also know that he's, he's, he's telling his disciples all this stuff. Now, you remember over in, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, right? They're going to the temple, the ninth hour to pray. And they're going by the gate, beautiful, and there's the beggar that's been there for 40 years. So Jesus passed by this guy all the time, his whole life, and he never said anything. Peter's going by. All of a sudden, Peter fastens in his eyes because this guy is asking for alms. He's asking for money. And Peter looks down and goes, and you remember what Jesus said in the upper room? If I ask anything in his name, he'll do it. He's asking for alms. Let's give him some legs. That's a joke, okay? Anyways, he says, hey, silver and gold have I none. I ain't got no money. But you know what I got? In the name of Jesus Christ, I've rise up and walk. And Peter reaches down and grabs the guy and lifts him up. And the guy jumps up, walking and leaping and praying, and follows him into the temple. And then everybody in the temple says, hey, isn't this the dude who was sitting outside here? You know? And then this great notable miracle. And then when they got called on the carpet, you know, in, on the fourth chapter and the fifth chapter and all that, they get called in front of, the, you know, all of the religious folks and saying, they go, well, not, nothing we can do. This guy's over 40 years old. He's been crippled from birth. And he's over 40 years old. So he actually, you know, even his because they called his parents in and his, their parents said, hey, he's old enough to answer for himself. Man, aren't you glad they lowered the age to 18? How would you like to answer for your kids till they're 40? Oh my God. All of us that would kill them before then, and we couldn't even handle it. 18 was good enough, man. Sheesh. And then we pray. We just pray. But, you know, you, you see that. You see the hand of God. Where did Peter get the faith to believe for that? Because, you know, in, in, that was Acts 3 6. But in Acts 3.16, when they were looking at Peter and John like some great thing, he said, why are you looking upon us as though by our, us, by some kind of power that we had, that we've made this man whole? Let it be known unto you that it's the name of Jesus of whom you crucified, but let it, that it was known and faith in that name that's made this man whole and sound in the presence of you all. Amen? Amen? Amen. 
But it was because of, of the anointing of, of the Holy Spirit. Because nothing was happening with these guys. They were hiding out in the upper room until they got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Until the presence of God. I mean, Peter, you know, he was denying the Lord Jesus. Jesus appears to him three times. He's still not sure of anything. But on the day of Pentecost... And when the Holy Spirit came, he gets up and preaches a masterpiece sermon. And 5,000 people get saved. Hallelujah. And the power and the presence of God. Hallelujah. You see the... So when we, you know, back away from the power of the Holy Spirit, we back away from the preaching of the Holy Ghost. We back away from Pentecost. What happens is, is it stops us from the power of God. You know... You know, when we're reading, we're reading books and we're reading all kinds of things about, you know, revivalists of old and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, in, in 1906, when Azusa Street came and out of that, out of that revival, that three year revival, four year revival that was there, it literally, you know, brought in all of the Pentecostal denominations. There were others that were even before them, but yet really hadn't formed or done things. But out of that, it formed. But the greatest thing out of that, what people don't really understand, is out of all that that took place, that's where all the missionaries of the 20th century have all been shipped out around the world. Because of that, people that got filled with the Holy Ghost got a call of God and went. And they started the fire of God in all different places of the world. And, and we're continuing to do that. Continuing to sin. Continuing to go. And to change the lives of people because God's still calling people to go and to do amen and God's calling others to come now we got people sending missionaries to the to America which is cool because we need it worse than most countries now hallelujah amen <laughs> but we need to understand we're not letting the Holy Spirit do his job we're not letting them help us we're not letting them lead us and guide us and show us by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. We're not letting, you know, him illuminate the Word of God to us. Say, you know what? You can believe that. You can do that. I'll help you receive that. I'll help you know that. I'll help you walk in this. Here it is. You, you, you can do this. Hallelujah. Now look at verse 26. Y'all okay? I got seven minutes. You guys good? Hallelujah. Of just tonight. But we're going to dive in. We're going to get it. Listen, yeah, but what if we get tonight? Listen. You don't have to worry about fanaticism or anything else. You always have enough wet blankets around to put everything out. So don't worry about that. You always got enough doubters. I just want to get the power and the presence of God, not in a physical manifestation, but in a supernatural spiritual manifestation of the things of God. See, I grew up in a denominational church. I told you, I grew up in a church that said miracles were done away with. I grew up in a church that all it was was salvation. And once you got that, you had to figure it out yourself. A church that said speaking in tongues is of the devil and you ought to stay away from them Pentecostal people because you might get something, you know. But the key was is I got hungry and I got hungry for the things of God and I was searching for truth. And the bad thing about it is that the denomination I was in and it wasn't a bad thing, it was really great. They said, listen, this thing you have in your hand is perfect. I said, yeah, the word of God is perfect but our, our understanding of it isn't. And so thank God God's bigger than our brain, Amen. And that's what they, well, if we don't understand it, it must not be God. Well, the Bible says a fool answers the matter before he hears it. Amen? And so you have all these people who are so afraid of, of taking out and stepping out into the water or doing things. You know, the same Holy Spirit that I got born again over there in this denomination is the same Holy Spirit that filled me out on the Cherokee Nation in, in, in the northeast corner of Oklahoma on, on the Cherokee Nation. They're sitting on a milk can. And, uh, you know, just and not even knowing what to do. And that wasn't even doing anything right except hungering for God. 
God, you know, God came down, touched my life, changed my life, and bam, from that point on, man, everything in my life changed. I got off a roller coaster. I got off being up and down and all the valleys, glory. I got on a rocket ship and I've been flying ever since. I've been just pressing it down. Yeah, there's been meteors. There's been all kinds of things coming at me. I've bumped into a lot of planets. I've crashed and burned several times. Praise God. But I've always had another rocket ship to get on. Hallelujah. I found a lot of ways that didn't work. Okay. But I tell you what, I, I mean, you know, this joy, this peace, this love, glory to God. Because I've been on the other side of the coin. It's like if you're going to take this away from it, what are you going to give us in replace? Amen. I mean, that's what I said. So listen, and then people come and say, well, that can't. I say, listen, have you ever been filled with the Holy Ghost? They're like, no. I say, well, you can't judge it. See, here's another thing, too. Let me talk about the other manifestations of the Spirit. If you've never had the Spirit of the Lord come upon you and you run, and if you've never had that and run by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you can't judge it. And if laughter comes and you laugh and you laugh and you know what's not, and you laugh and there's a presence there and you've never laughed in the spirit, you can't judge it. Okay? You can't. If you never danced in the Holy Ghost with the Spirit of God on you, know, I mean, it's super. There is, there, is a, there is a blessing there. A thing. In every one of those things, there is a blessing that you can't get any other way. And if you've never done it, you can't judge it. Because you haven't tasted and seen it. He says, well, pastor, if you've done all I've done all of those. Haven't done it in a while because we just didn't got there yet. <laughs> I've been trying to get everybody to do that. I said, glory to God. Now, I do it by myself a lot. I do. And I just let God be God, but I can't do it to anybody because I don't want to cause people to have heart attacks and go crazy and do things. Amen. Hallelujah. I was talking to my son, you know, my son's Adam, and they moved to, to South Carolina there. And so uh, Adam pastored a church in Elk Grove and stuff, and of course, loves God, went to Bible college, and he, and he called me up. He said, guess what? I said, what? He said, hey, I got to go to a southern, hallelujah, black gospel church. <laughs> he said, I took all my motorcycle buddies, 15 of them. They went into this this." Pentecostal church out in the sticks in South Carolina and everything got to moving. He said, it was so much fun. He said, I'm telling you, it was so much fun. The Spirit of God hit him. He started dancing in the Holy Ghost, scared every one of those big motorcycle guys, all these tough big boys. They didn't know what happened. They thought, he done got, he done, what's he going to do? I said, oh, glory. He said, it was awesome. He said, and then they started prophesying, calling out all these guys and, and uh, speaking into their lives, and they all got changed because of the power of God, you know. And, uh, you know, we were talking, he said, he said, Daddy, you don't understand. He said, that was so much fun. I said, oh, yeah, I, I know. He said, I, you know, haven't done that in years and years and years, you know. And the uh, uh, reason I share that is because not to say, oh, we want to see these things, but what, what happens is, is that we have a tendency to judge or to look and see, well, we've outgrown this or we've outgrown that. We haven't outgrown miracles. We haven't outgrown the, the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We haven't outgrown when God starts to move on our lives. We haven't outgrown because God wants to do things. He wants to touch lives. Amen. He wants to change your life and my life. You know, and we're not going for, we're just going to go for the spirit of God and let, because it brings comfort. 
You say, well, that made me uncomfortable. That's because you got convicted. Because <laughs> you don't understand it. And if you don't understand things, then they got to be wrong. No, that just means you don't know enough. Amen? I mean, like I said, you know, hallelujah. We used to go to the Pentecostal churches when I was growing up. My dad, you know, he liked their singing. Their singing was a whole lot better than the denomination we were at. We sang hymns and they were dead. We always skipped the third stanza of the hymn because that was the best one. It had the most word in it, but we never sang that one. Sang the first, second, and the fourth. Every time. When I grew, grew, got older and I looked at these and I said, man, that third verse is the best verse of the whole thing. Because they didn't want the word. It just was not, I don't know. But we'd go to the Pentecostal because they'd sing. And they'd get after it. And we, my dad liked it. But he'd always say, we've got to sit toward the back because it can get crazy in here. <laughs> he said, you've got to make sure nobody's around you because they'll corner you. I said, I said, what are you talking about? You know, but we sure had. I mean, that's why, you know, a lot of people say, well, how did you get to hear this person? Or that? Because we went to all those places. You know, I went to all those things because the spirit of God was moving. Amen. And God was touching lives. What am I saying here? God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But the Holy Spirit wants to bring that plan. But we can't be afraid of him. We've got to get comfortable with him. Because why? He's our comforter. He's our comforter. Hallelujah. Now we know that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict sin. For us and for the whole world. We know that's what the Bible says. We can see that as we read over in, the, in John 16. And also we know that he's also empowering us for works of ministry. He's imparting spiritual gifts. God wants to supernaturally open up our hearts and minds to things. So yeah, we're going to open up a whole can of worms. But glory to God, we're just going to step into it and run with it. Amen. But we're going to look at the word of God just like we did it. We almost went through this whole thing. But look at verse 26. Verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, or, and he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And if I could admonish you, don't let your heart be troubled, don't let it be afraid. You know, here's the thing about it. If you don't understand, then just hang out. Watch and see, and then watch God do supernatural things in your life, because he's going to do it. Amen? I mean, you guys all, you know, you kind of all like looked at me like, you mean, when I said Jesus asked 800 questions and only answered four, now you need to read the, the four gospels to find out, and you'll find out that he did. He asked a ton more questions than what did, and he only answered four of them, because, you know, uh, he wasn't here. Did that, but he was here to get people to turn their hearts and say, "Hey, listen, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about what are you going to do about these things here?" And guess what? Now is the time. Right now, right now, we need to understand that we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Reality. That's the thing about it. We need to know what God, because God's speaking all the time to our hearts, and He speaks on the inside of us. It's not an audible voice; it's an inside voice. God speaks spirit. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's going to speak to us spirit to spirit. He's going to speak on the inside of us and lead us. Amen? So I'm getting nervous. Let's just let God be God. You're the Wednesday night crowd. You showed up. Praise God. I can't help it. God knew you were coming. Hallelujah. We, we are blame, you know, and because we are hungering for God, and we are. And, and here's the thing, too. We've got a 20, you know, let's just pray, and then I'll give you the announcements. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you, love you, and praise you, Father, because you're such a good God. 
Thank you for these wonderful folks that are here and all the wonderful ones that are watching. I know that I don't look at them as much as I should, but I acknowledge you and I'm so glad that you're, you're tuned in. But thank you, Father, for your amazing grace. Thank you, Father, that we get to be born of the Spirit. That's how we get born again, to make Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. But then, not only get to be born of the Spirit, but then, praise God, we get to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's rivers that flow out of us that just cause blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. You bring knowledge. You bring understanding so that we know the truth. Hallelujah. And we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to walk, hallelujah, in fear. We are going to walk in knowing that the Comforter is our helper. The Comforter is with us all the time. So, Lord, thank you for these folks and thank you for those that are watching. Oh, my heart's cries is for them to just be filled full to overflowing and that be led by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.